0: Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your host, and my co-host, the usual, Aiden.
1: How's it, guys? Another draw, 13 draws this season. Only Norwich and Watford have fewer wins than Arsenal. It says a lot about the beloved Gunners at the moment, you know? We at our lowest points total after 25 matches in decades, and, you know, things are starting to get a bit worrying for us.
0: Yeah, I mean, more woes for Arsenal, um, you know, going into the game. Already on, what, four four draws on the bounce.
2: <laughs>
0: so it was already worrying from the, you know, from the get-go. And Arsenal seemingly following the sort of trend. I don't know if you picked this up, where we are picking up this, uh, you know, when we start the game, everything looks positive for about 15 minutes or so. Because I think uh, up to the, what, to the 12th or 15th minute, we had something like 85% position. And then it's almost like you had it. Uh, I think in that period also, it came also a big chance for Young, But I mean, he ended up shanking his ball way wide off target. And then after that, it's almost like that was when we started opening the door to uh, Burnley. And then it was like the problems also started just building from there.
1: Don't forget about the Laka Zetehede as well. Five minutes in as well, where he had the opportunity... To header the ball at goal and he missed it. I wasn't even surprised by that miss header. Obviously, I mean the the form he's in at the moment it's 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 not like him and, and it just seems that we kind of have to get not get but like move him out of the squad for it but just to get him out of the the firing line. Yeah. And yeah. the only the only danger that was coming from us was look like, from the left hand side like you said with Abameng and Bakayo Saka as well.
0: And I mean, the, the, the early ploy, of course, was also starting to show itself as the game progressed, you know, early on. Because every time they were, it was almost like playing Stoke City or um, Bolton back in the day. Because every time they had corners, they would stick like one or two guys on top of Leno. And the guy that's trying to protect Leno from our team was also getting, uh, you know, almost like uh, blocked off. So every corner you could see Leno was, you know, just barely either getting a hand to it or, you know, really having difficulties even dealing with so, to get some sort of punch or contact onto the ball. But, I mean, that was now typical uh, Burnley play.
1: And, and, I mean, Burnley were really targeting the 18-year-old sucker. I mean, he was getting kicked all over the pitch. I mean, I think that's probably the reason why, um, you know, he got injured. And I think that is was kind of how Burnley... Arteta should have planned for it, in my opinion. mm that Bernie would have done that. And I mean, you know, you you mentioned to me privately as well that once Saka came off, Arsenal looked like they had no plan B. And that, you know, you know players also have their bad games. But I think this was, you know, down to Arteta also managing this game quite, not poorly, but not yeah. up to standard.
0: No, I mean, look, the same way we can give him credit for doing stuff, we can also, you know, criticise when he does something... You know, it was like untoward that we think is, you know, it was like wrong or glaring error type of thing. Because, uh, you know, with that, as I said, or you mentioned what that conversation we had, for me, that was also a change of pattern of the game, that injury to Saka, because when he came off, I mean, look, he, he he tried to, you know, weather the storm, kind of. But, I mean, you can see he was struggling. He was like, like in pain constantly. He wasn't really attacking like he was prior to that injury. And I mean the more Granada Xhaka was trying to cover for him in that position, it was not also helping because look, Jaka is somebody that, that's he wants always just either venture forward or sit back. But you don't have that speed, you know, where Saka can go forward, he can risk that of going forward, and then he can also track back in that same moment. But you could see the minute that speed side of him was was kind of nullified because look he was going down also every every you know few minutes or limping and looking to the paint I was like for a sort of cry for help in a way, because, I mean, like, look that guy was hurting bad, because it was like an impact to the knee, an impact to the heap as well, so, I mean, I felt sorry for him in this game.
1: I think this was also a way out to let himself down, by not subbing Saka sooner, when he was getting injured, because at the latter part of the uh, first half, it seemed like we were down to 10 men, actually, and, and that kind of invited Burnley more and more into the game until Arsenal just lost all, all. Um, what can I say? They lost. their the initiative. Yeah, initiative. They, they had it, and it started drifting away until <coughs> Arsenal Burnley started dictating the play.
0: And you know, we also started getting worried. I mean, was that happening? Was the them sitting now? You know, deeper and deeper. It also it started having almost like a domino effect on the squad as well, because all of a sudden the team as a whole started sitting deeper. And as I said, with a, I started getting worried was watching our forwards having to drop into midfield to try to get the ball because they were totally out of the game. And with Lacazette and Abameyang and, um, playing more as, as midfielders or, you know, deep lying midfielders, uh, all of a sudden the left also Martinelli isolated. So he was also not a factor either. And, Look, Burnley didn't even bother in de- marking him further on other than that, like, few, you know, bits of sorts that he got later on in the game. But other than that, everybody was in, like pushing the higher line, because they knew Arsenal were not really going to come out at him in that first half.
1: You know, the, the biggest problem at Arsenal right now is that they don't have a midfielder that can drive him forward. Joe Willock does it reasonably while when he's put to the task, but that's normally in the cup fixtures and uh, um, not such high-profile games at the moment that we've been playing, so Joe Wallach is good at that, but we don't have that Adam Ramsey that's going to get you a goal, because Ramsey was the type of guy that would get you that one goal at Burnley, or even that battering Ram striker type like Giroud. Mm. So, it's like Arsenal are very only a plan A at the moment, and when it's not working, we've been figured out that you just need to put, drive us deeper, and we're not making any chances, so you know, where's the goals coming from our front three when they're isolated? You know, there's there's nothing happening beyond the I mean, behind the front three. It's just the three of them. If they don't score, then we hopefully can get the set piece goal. And if not, then you know, where are goals coming from? I mean,
0: the like 36 minute Abamyang then again set up for clear cut chance, and again decision making at the moment is really you know in the red at the moment because the decision-making is so wrong because when he started going one-on-one with Pope, I thought to myself, look, that guy's going to expect because look, our guys normally are quite audacious so they're going to try like, you know, the sort of dink or chip whatever over the player, over the advancing keeper. So I was now thinking, okay, he's going to maybe just open his body up somewhat and just steer yeah. the ball into one of the corners because, I mean, that goalkeeper was just coming straight on at moment at And then he decides to chip and, I mean, it of course gives... Pope all the chance to, you know, hold out a, a hand and then make the save.
1: You know, you did mention Pope as a, as a possible number two at Arsenal, and I think he did himself quite justice in this game.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, he was also bossing his area. Even that, that opportunities when, when because David Luiz was getting them also, in, in the way they were pressing high every time. When he was bombing that ball forward, every time I thought, OK, maybe this is the sort of chance that we need, the, you know, the break falling our way. Then when you look again, he's coming out of the box, full speed, and just clearing the ball into touch.
1: I just think Arsenal needs to start turning these these chances into goals. I mean, we could have been two 0 up very early on in the game, but once again, not taking chances. Mm. And then you know the players. I know Burnley were kicking us. and it's you know it's there's no excuse for the like you know the, the way the style that they were playing, but. Arsenal guys were also going down too easy and not giving as much as they were getting. They were too soft and they just allowed Burnley to get more on top of them.
0: Um, look, then we then went into the second half. Torreira then coming on for Saka. Uh, obvious change, of course, with that uh, injury. But then, uh, as the game, the second half starts. You know, it's quite a feisty second half. People getting stuck into each other. and Everyone in the camera was panning to that. Uh, Di- Sean Daisho. You know, and also we're going down, and then he would, like, you know, have a moan by the ref. I mean, I've heard him even do it on an actual, like, with a TV interview where he says, like, you know, we eat a dick too quick. But, you uh, know, I was just thinking, you know, it's kind of, I, I, I it was like, it's actually a joke because he's making that sort of remarks. And yet, when we were just brushing past these players, they were going, you know, sprawling themselves on the dick. So it was, it was going both ways. It was almost like, a, you know, a real scrappy game. A lot
1: of the attitude coming on both sides. Yeah, I, 100%. Uh, there's a the type of game that takes one. Like, you know, <laughs> Arsenal had that. They got those two goals that we spoke about in the first half. Or even three with Aubameyang. You kind of nullify that completely because suddenly Arsenal dictate how this game is going to go. And Burnley will be wasting their own time when they're coming with those um, fouls and dirty tackles. But is Arsenal allowed themselves to get bullied? Not taking their chances. And, you know... Bernie started getting stronger and stronger into the game, so much so that you started looking at the, watching the match and asked yourself, can Arsenal actually get the goal in this game?
0: Yeah, there was another spell from the, what was it, 56th to 60th minute, where first Dachowski glanced a free uh, kick wide of the goal. Then, I think a few minutes later, me, again, for the header, six yard, he missed, uh, passed the goal. And then uh, Hendrik on the 60th minute, he also ended up heading wide, which was, again, totally mis- miscommunication amongst the Arsenal defenders. David Luiz, of course, not knowing what is going on. I mean, that was, in a way, also annoying me seriously with this game, because the, the, this is also something that I want to mention, but then I'll just not come to mind. The lack of awareness in this team is unreal. I mean, you think of even when Guidozi was playing when he's running with the ball, he does not see or watch who's coming in from around on the side. I mean, it also comes down to communication with the the players itself because it looks like they also don't give the player a shout. But when we have our, like say the creative players trying to dazzle or whatever on the ball, they don't see like, okay, here's a danger coming from the left or the dangers coming from the right. And when you look at him and they think they can get the third or fourth touch, they just get clattered with the ball and it's normally a clean 50-50 tackle.
1: And they're they're holding the ball too long. Uh, I think that's the one of the biggest that's issues. Like like you mentioned, they want to take that third, fourth touch, <clears throat> lay the ball quick. We get all push forward, but the time, the time. Um, you know, I was watching this the game with my girlfriend as well, and she's not like an avid soccer watcher, but she was even telling me like Arsenal are taking too long with the ball because Burnley players are are getting back to defend. And I mean someone who doesn't watch soccer, you know, on a regular basis like we do, can tell you what the problem is. And I mean, Arsenal need to start playing quicker. The moment they play quicker, they hurt teams, but they're not doing that. And I mean, you could see it was
0: like so drilled into Burnley. The minute we were in position, I mean, my eyes were actually falling to the Burnley off every time we were in position. Because, you could actually see that four banks already forming, at uh, two banks or four. And then they just sit like, it, they sit. So it's almost like we were trying to do this knocking. Because, there was one stat, I, I don't think anybody really took note of it. They showed like Arsenal clocked over how many passes, but then when you look at the steps, the stats sorry, in depth, it was all in our own half. And when they showed where Burnley were doing most of their passing, was in our half. So it means either way, as, as much as we were in possession of the game with the ball, I mean, for territory and that, they were doing the knocking the ball about in, in our half. And look at what we're doing. Instead of we doing those, uh, clocking up 200 or 400 uh, passes, do it in the off. We were knocking almost 200 something passes in our off.
1: Like I said, that's that stat in the beginning of the game. It says hell love a lot when only Norwich and Watford have won less games than, than Arsenal has. I mean, that just shows where we are at the moment. And I think Arteta didn't do himself favour as well by leaving Lacazette on the field for so long. I think, you know, as much as I'm moaning criticised Pepe. I think he should have at least come on and, and given given an opportunity with, like, to, to do something in this game.
0: And you know, I think that you also pick up with regards to the squad now. When Weller comes on for Ozil, you can actually see that sort of energy that comes back into the team again, which was almost like waning for most parts of the first half. Because Ozil normally gives you a bit of a run and that for about 15-20 minutes. And then you can forget about in the rest of the game.
1: I don't know if Arteta's maybe scared to drop the big names because, like the Lukasz, the even the Urals. I mean, he came quite strong when he started his first two games, maybe, but it's like he went back into his old self again. And I think, in a game like this, you needed crafters. We spoke about it, and we weren't we weren't wrong about it. We needed players to get stuck in, mm-hmm. and take our chances. I mean, we are saying the same thing week in, week out. But I think that in a stat as well, we we only had two shots on target in this game.
0: Yeah.
1: Just,
0: you know, I was talking in a Facebook group, and this one guy comes and tells me, Oh, yeah, I think we defended quite good. When I watched the clear cut chances that Burnley had, it was four to two. So, I mean, they if they had not buried all their chances, they would have beaten us with ease. And, like, you know, with, with, it, it got to a point also with Arsenal in that, that uh, latter part of the second half where. We were just taking pot shots because you could see that the ideas were running out. like They had no clue what they were going to do. And then they were just eating those heat and hope shots from like 25, 30 yards.
1: I think our midfield is just too static. There's, there's, there's no like runners off the ball into the box. There's just nothing happening. Our, our midfield is not chipping in on the goals. And in a game like Burnley, you need that but extra also maybe to come in the box. But like you said, they were going to always sit with like four bags or four. You need that individual trickery or that eye of the needle pass or something like that. But as like if that front three doesn't do anything, that yeah. midfield is not going to help him. And that, like you said, it's just going to put pressure and pressure on them. And look at said now. He's an isolated figure. That and and you know, like you mentioned, also is it Arsenal defended well. Yes, we got the point. And um, a few seasons ago, we probably would have lost that game. But the chance of Jay Rodriguez. I mean that when he hit the crossbar, that yeah. that should have been a, a goal, and we were very lucky with that.
0: Yeah. So you know, Arsenal uh, now, as I said, as we started this uh, review, four throw in a row, and I mean not that good enough. I mean you you still see those people on touching distance, or actually were I should say, because now all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the teams that were we were yeah, you know just about clinging on to, they are now starting to open up again because with Everton winning away from home, they have now been believe it's two points ahead of us. So all of a sudden now uh, the, the chase from, from 10th to 9th is going to be another uh, mini mountain to climb. We've
1: uh, we we, we we've been mentioning every week, you know, maybe this is the week they can kick on, this is the week they can get on, but how is it possible that we are throwing so many games like this? It's It's absurd actually. I can't pinpoint, can't you know, like, you know, Emre, we, we were drawing, and uh, Arteta, we drawing, like, we, I don't know, I don't know any more where to say the problem lies anymore.
0: And I mean, this also now leads us to, you know, the talking points, and almost like gripes, I could also say. Um, I've actually jotted down three. Problem number one, I think I'll, uh, like, with regards to Ozil, like the problem child at the moment. I mean, he's not the only one because I mean, I don't want people just think, oh yeah, he's a scapegoat because I mean, I know there's a lot of Ozil fans, but I mean, you have to also call it like, you give him credit when he does well, but you also have to criticize when uh, things are not going his way. Ozil has no away assist in two years. And I mean, for someone who's supposed to be, you know, our linchpin and, you know, our goal creator, he just doesn't, you know, seem to step up for a fight because Especially in away games, you can... It's also like Burnley, that's not also an ideal game to to, to show people or showcase to people. He, like, when you needed him to either, like, hold on to the ball or to start pinging the ball about and he was not there. And what he does is he just jogs along with things. He don't get his foot... Like, now and then he'll get his foot stuck in, but, I mean, more more often than not, he's giving away, like, needless fouls, and, I mean, he's not even trying to hide it. It's just... Or like pick your little kickouts or shove, you know, shove in the back, that type of thing. He's, he's doing so. I mean, it's not helping the team scores. And another thing, also, we're also at the stage where you can't pick and choose, you know, pick and choose your battles because <clears throat> we need, you know, like everybody has to now roll up their sleeves and you know put up a fight because same way that you saw that sort of performance against Bournemouth, where you know everybody like rolled up their sleeves and were fighting for each other. That's sort the of performance. That Ozil needs to, you know, bring to the table. Then my second point that I wanted to bring up was also Lacazette. No away goal in a year. And I mean, last Arsenal goal was, I think, somewhere, what, December sometime? Last yeah. Year. And I mean, we're now in February already. You to, you know, uh, middle of February. And I mean, where I think Arteta is is going wrong with, with regards to Lacazette. Yes, he's trying to get the player to play, you know, every game to, you know, beat us. Voodoo that he's now like going through to, you know, to break his neck. But I mean, I think even forcing that now, because uh, it's also now uh, led to a, a factor where through him, for, I was like, not forcing, but trying to fit uh, Lacazette in the team. Martinelli is now getting sacrificed because now he's being shipped out to the right. Because look at the moment, Lacazette, I'm um, sorry, like Obama Young and Martinelli actually do most of the damage on the left flank. And, I mean, you can't fit both in on that flank. So, <clears throat> if if I was Arteta, this is not just, like, my opinion now. I would actually withdraw, like I said, completely from the squad and maybe give him, like, uh, one or two games he plays in the under-23s. Because I think he just needs some sort of confidence booster, uh, uh, you know, in a low-key game. Whereas, when he has these sort of games, he's in that spot, like, you are picking it up, like, you know, watching on the TV or being in the stadium and it. so you're picking up a guy who's already low on confidence and it's just not working for him and then final point that you want to bring up I mean you can you know poke where you want to with this uh, yeah of and problem number three is something that you were touching on which I'm now going to elaborate on is the goals from midfield slash lack of goals from midfield because they are not helping they are not helping this team not at all because We need some sort of outlet because the defenders are scoring, the uh, forwards are, you know, now then getting on the score sheet. But for me, it's a big headache because honestly, this is not what I'm gonna read to you in the Premier League. Arsenal goals from midfield, one Lucas Torreira away at Liverpool. That's it.
1: That is a shocking stat, and you know that goal (laughs) means nothing. You know, you take the goal away, Arsenal still lose the game. So there's no match-winning contributions from the middle of the park.
2: Yeah.
1: that That is a big problem. I mean, your midfield plays a big part in your top four races, your championship races. Your goals need to come from all over. Yes, you're going to have your linchpins that are going to get you your 50 to 20 goals. Yeah. And But now your midfield is doing nothing. Aubameyang is literally trying to carry the team with Martinelli, trying to chip in here, here and there. I mean, where, where is the the rest of the goals is going to come from? And that probably sums up why we've been drawing games yeah. because of lack of creativity and goals coming from the midfield. I mean, sometimes a bombing and and the, sometimes, like I said, I mean, Martinelli as well. A lot of the times he has to carve his own chances up by either, you know, making that run or that solo run. Or but the, the midfield is not. I don't think they are brave enough to get ad- to advanced. And if you look at our midfield, none of them have that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, Xhaka will score, but he'll hit you a long ranger. he doesn't look like he's going to score. Mm-hmm. To as well, you know, he gets those odd goals here and there, but none of them have that instinct to be at the edge of the box or mm-hmm. break where the ball is breaking. Almost like um, Martinelli has as the, as a winger or when he plays up front, he knows where the ball's going to go. But, You know, losing Ramsey took that impetus away from us and we haven't replaced it. We're not replacing what we're losing and that's what scares me as well. We've lost players from all over the field and we just don't seem to bring in a replacement. We try to cut costs and, you know, bring, buy players for the sake of buying players, but they don't end up putting in. And there's something else we want to make make mention of. You know, a lot of times... We blame Stan Kroenke. He must get out of our club. He must get out of our club. You know, yes, maybe a billionaire owner who would, would invests in the club would do us justice. But is it really, like you mentioned also in the past, is it really him that's holding us back? I mean, yeah, we find out Cedric, now we we, we brought in, he's going to be injured. For, we came there on a knee brace, injured. We signed him. I mean, we have the money. We spent $72 million on Pepe. Under three different coaches, he's on the bench. I mean, where does this logic make sense? Did, did, did we need... Uh, I know we said we were crying out for a winger who would get chalk in his boots, who yeah. would do that, but there are other players around that you can get for cheaper, but sort out your midfield and your defense. It's, it, it doesn't make sense, and that falls on, you know, the, the, the director of sport or the yeah. CEO. Those are the guys that need to make the decisions, but it's not being made. Yeah,
0: because at the moment uh, we are heading on that same path that we were with Gazidis and Wenger. Because it's almost like it's not you know shaped in a different form now. Because this guy is doing the same thing. He is, you know, but I think this is where, where the the weak ownership also comes about. Because I think if the if the owners were more in like you know really interested in the club, they would want to see that you know that the people that are in charge. Like, even if you have, say, somebody like Sunday, fine. But you have somebody that's also watching him. Because I do not think the board are watching, you know, anything that he is doing. And Edu at the moment is almost like just being a, a lackey in a way. He's just being the run-around guy. You know, he's trying to organise this, organise that, in contact with scouts, etc. But I, I still think the problem for me right now lies with Salnegi. Because for me, at the end of the season, going to come down to him, you know, to be accountable. Because... Just remember, he is the one that recruited these people. I've got no problem having Edu there. I've got no problem having Arteta there. But I just think right now, it's almost like somebody is given like total free, like free reign on the club. And he is now you know, doing this and that and, and almost like is, his, you know, this whole buddy buddy system where he's having his people, like, you know, his friends in, at our football agents, these are what they call super agents. He's letting them almost like dictate what sort of players we are now trying to get. And, for me, I, I still stick to my guns where I say, if we want to start, you know, this team, this squad, you can already write off, uh, like uh, or the season you should actually write off. And then you start building around almost all that, that crop of youngsters that we've now got at the club that came from the academy, plus these youngsters that came under that in the Emory reign, also that he gave the opportunities to, like Guidozi and, and people like that, and Saka. And then you start building your squad from there. Because right now I I just think the whole t- squad as you know as many coaches as you have the squad just looks totally uh, what's it imbalanced.
1: They, they do and it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's my eyes I'm not watching these these guys play it's, it's disjointed and you know Ateta is trying they ease those progressive improvements but they need to be results as well. You can't just improve your football wise and, you know, and it's sad to say that there's. Season's almost done, and we have nothing to show for it.
0: And I mean, one thing that, like, you know, growing up, I always remember one of my coaches telling me, you know, when you can see a team is all like struggling or they've got no idea what they're doing, just watch that midfield of ours. They will rather give that responsibility to somebody else than take it, you know, as you said, take the ball and carry it forward. Just watch them. I mean, it's simple logic. You also, like, with, with we can have the ball on the halfway line. They won't think, okay, I'm going to turn myself towards the opposition goal and I'm going to start my run and my, my passing move going that way. No, they will first pass the ball to the defense, send it maybe back to Leno, and then you like bring again all sorts of pressure onto yourself again. Whereas you have taken the ball, turned, got, you know, get your head down and start sprinting forward, and you have your support runners going left and right of you and, and in front of you. And you start playing that sort of football. You can, I mean, you're not gonna. We're not gonna get anywhere playing this sort of football that's going on. And I think this is what drives Alteta mad. You can watch him also on the touchline when. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, it's that's going
1: on. I feel sorry for him at times when I'm looking at him because you can see the ideas are there, but the execution just hasn't happened. And you know, like you mentioned, the the centre backs we have at the back. I think the Emery plan was to kind of have a quick fix of getting Arsenal somehow into the Champions League, back into the Champions League, and maybe trying to build on that. But, you know, like you mentioned, Arteta's trying to to have these um, ball-playing centre-backs. But you look at Mustafa, you know, he's, all fairness to him, he's probably been one of the players that's been really improved since yeah. Oteta came in. But, you know, when he tries to play with the ball, he ends up sometimes skying the ball into a row because yeah. he's panicking on the ball. You know, of just... Knocking it gently, like the ball playing in the back that we are out there looking for.
0: I mean, one thing I'm actually looking forward to uh, is that uh, Pablo Marie, because I, I forgot who it was that was interviewed last week, I believe. Because look, <clears throat> I don't know, I, I didn't watch that World Club Championship game that they played against Liverpool, his former team. But I just wanted to get an idea from almost like somebody that's not linked to the club about what the would or could offer now to the club. And from what I heard, he is actually somebody... I mean, of course, we now can... Like, us us and the listeners can now see when he does get to play for Arsenal. But they they do say he's got the habit of almost trying to dominate the defence, like where he wants to be the the marshal. And I think that is what we, in a way, also lacking. We don't have that guy that's, you know, keeping them focused throughout. Because, as you said... You got David Louis sometimes <laughs> giving people the the like, you know, the hump for, for to, to be focused and whatever. And then he's the one doing like I mean, you know, he did my head in on that anyway, Now my, my eyes are watching the ball and I'm seeing, okay, David Luiz, uh, that dude is on your shoulder. You're gonna have to do something. And then he watches the ball, watch and then all of a sudden when he sees the ball drop to the player, he takes a step back. And I'm thinking, why are you letting him have a free uh, shot that I'll go? Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: but but I think this two-week break now could yeah. do wonders for Arteta. I mean, he's <laughs> had the team for, what, 45 days? Something like that. Been a coach. And he's t- taken over 10 games in that short space of time. So he also hasn't really had a time to, you know, work with the guys and, you know, try to... Just preparing for the next game and preparing for the next game. Hopefully that this break can allow Tito to work with the team, kind of you know get a better understanding of the team, and you know maybe get his starting eleven better. Because right now I do feel with that stats you mentioned that luck is it, and will need to be withdrawn again from the team. Maybe bring Martinelli on the left, a up front, and then try Pepe again on the right, yeah. and then try maybe with your or midfield bringing I don't know. Who you can play as you're attacking with, but you know, you're gonna to have to try something new on that side. So,
0: you know, I will switch our attention now to some other news. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are reading the media. Uh, Arteta now he plans to do most of Arsenal signings for the summer before Euro 2020 because he feels you know the price or the prices of the players normally gets jacked up over or during the tournament. And I mean, uh, Edu and Salmi have also now given the, uh, you know, green light to that. And in other news also, uh, there's also talk of, with Arsenal having some sort of, they're probably not going to have that big of a, a budget, you know, transfer budget like, given from the club. But uh, from what i have heard also now, is like Arsenal they have also agreed with, with uh, Arteta where he could sell, you know, Ozil. Lacazette and Aubameyang to fund, you know, to add to the, the transfer budget because I, I think it could be a hell of a chunk that you could still get for the three of them because they don't want to get in that situation where we were now with Ramsey and Alexis. So, I think they, they almost are giving Abameyang the time now to probably also think what his plans are for the summer how he's going to go. But, I mean, it, it does look more and more likely that he will probably say, look, I want to still play maybe one season in the Champions League or something, get that nugget. And, that's why I'm actually preparing for him to leave with like with regards to It and um, Ozil. um I would you know try to cash in because I think look that wages that he's on that was under the winger. Eh? That wages could go probably two or three players even. Like top class players. So I think we could cut our losses there as well and get maybe a a midfielder that, you know, is not someone uh, somewhere too home and away, gonna shy away from games.
1: It's just a bit scary losing a guy like Aubameyang and, you know, you don't have... You can't see anybody... Like, Arsenal's not an attractive club to come to anymore. Look at Pepe. uh, He he came to the club on good spirits, uh, good performances for Lille. Comes to Arsenal and he's just, you know, flat. And he's like Lacazette as well. You know, came from Lyon as well. Yes, he's done well, but if you look at... Is like, he's also like his career, also kind of went flat at Arsenal. And I think right now we need to try to somehow by Ukawa Kru- I don't know if this would be possible, even to win the Europa League. But if you look at the teams in the Europa League, it's like the likes of Inter Milan dropped in there who seem very dangerous. So, like, Arsenal probably won't even be able to compete with those guys. And I think because Ajax as well had dropped into the Europa League as well. Yeah, but I so, mean, maybe
0: if you think of it, maybe that's also a type of challenge that's better suited for Arsenal then. Because it seems like everybody in the Premier League has now got it so predictable, like, you know, with Arsenal. And I think maybe just playing in Europe could be, a, you know, some sort of other, like, a diversion where we can play maybe whatever our, our football Arteta wants to play and be successful with it. I mean, just my thought on it.
1: You know, we, we need that. Arsenal somehow needs, like, Liverpool was struggling for long. Klopp came in, you know, it took a bit of time, but he he broke through into the Champions League and suddenly Liverpool were able to get the likes of Salah, who was struggling at the time, done well at Roma. They they managed to bring him in. They got the Sadio Mane in as well and they started then building the squad on players, And right now if Arsenal just need that Champions League just and just that to be able to incentive to show a player you're able to play in the Champions League and maybe that will start turning players' heads to come back to Arsenal. Who knows? Aubameyang could even stay if we win the Europa League.
0: And I mean, as a better as it is, I mean, maybe, maybe, it's also maybe, like, you know, better to be one season out of, the, of, of European football completely and don't, and we can actually just focus on getting that league form sorted out, getting the sort of players that you actually want and, you know, take advantage of other teams now having I mean, to play in Europe now as you start rebuilding the squad again because I think uh, as long well, as like, you're not also fixing the problem, just getting say into say another Europa League thing, then I mean, i rather than sacrifice being out of the Europa League one season and then try to focus on getting myself in the top four again and building a you know a real solid like top notch squad.
1: That's 100% correct, but I always just I, I, I want to for some reason win the Europa League because. It's a, it's a European trophy that we can taste because that's become few and far between for us.
0: Yeah. Uh, As we now end off the podcast, I mean, I don't know, if you have, sir, have anything you want to bring up still?
1: No, I'm, I've stated my things.
0: Yeah. So our next show is on the 13th of February because I only noticed now because I was just thinking we have like probably like a weekend off. But I see we our next Premier League game is on Sunday, the 16th of February against Newcastle at the Emirates. So our show will be on the Thursday, the 13th, which I will probably put up online on the 14th. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Uh, no Arsenal for this weekend. Maybe you can start watching other leagues. Maybe any of that games catch your attention. I hope you guys enjoy everything. Bye.
1: Cheers, guys.